You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. And we are back, and if you like badass podcasts, then you're in luck because we have returning guest Ben Harshine. He's the owner of uh, Huntera Maps. He's been on quite a few times actually. And uh, today, man, we're going to be talking about a recent elk trip he went on with his father. We're going to be talking about his his season plans, uh, especially about a buck that he's been chasing for two years. Uh, that story is in this podcast as well. And then uh, we're just going to be shooting the shit about his property, how he plans to attack his property uh, this season, if he's going to be doing any in-season hunting, or excuse me, early season hunting, and how he's going to transition into the rut. We're going to talk a little bit about those plans. And uh, not a big intro today. We're going we're, we're gonna to cover all the bases in the podcast uh I'll give a quick shout out to uh, Huntera. If uh, you need to check out Huntera, if you're looking for a map or any type of uh, digital map or a mobile map, um, go to Huntera online. Their website. Uh, this is their shout out. I, I told Ben I'd give him a shout out. Oh, by the way, Ben also sells um, hunting property as well for Whitetail Properties. So, uh, or it's a sister company. I forget the name of it, but uh, same thing. Uh, if you're looking to buy a property in Iowa, give uh, Ben Harshine a call. That's the shout out. That's the shout out, my friend, for Ben. And uh, today's commercial. Who do we have today? Exodus Trail Cameras, right? Dude, pick it up. Go pick up a Exodus Trail Camera. They're badass. Dude, the Lift 2s are killer. They are, if you were to buy this exact same camera in a retail setting, you're looking at close to 400 I think he said over $400 for, for this camera just to sell at retail. And as we all know, Exodus uh, trail cameras are direct to consumer. You can only buy them on their website. And because of that, there's a huge saving that is passed on to you guys. Um, not to mention that there is, has been a huge improvement from the Lift 1 to the Lift 2. That's the name of their uh, trail cameras. And uh, I'm telling you right now, guys, uh, it's definitely a trail camera 
that you want to go uh, take a look at. And uh, so when you go to their website, take a look at all the benefits of having an Exodus trail camera. When you decide to purchase, enter the discount code nine fingers. That's the number nine followed by the word fingers and you will receive $20 off of your trail camera. And that's uh, that's a pretty good savings passed on to you guys. All right. We talked about what's in the podcast today. I gave a shout out to Ben and his endeavors, and then uh, I gave a shout out to Exodus. So please go take a look at all those things, but enough of the crap. Let's get into today's, I'm just going to call it a straight up BS session with the owner of Huntera Maps, Ben Harshine. I think we're recording, Ben. Roger that. How many times have you been on the podcast? Is this like four or three? Last time I was claiming the the belt, but I know for a fact I've got it this time. You've got this it. This has got to be number four. I think this is four. Yep. This is a big deal. Anybody wants to try to take the crown, come and get it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, I want to I wanna, uh, describe the setting that we're in right now because if I could podcast like this every day, I would. I'm sit, we're sitting in Ben's backyard in a pavilion gazebo type structure that's off the back of his deck there's a cold front has just came through and unlike most people uh me and ben are fired up for that i can see like there's apple trees around there's nature all around it's it's like low 70s today it's it's one of those days that makes you uh, the anticipation is at a, at a peak level right, right. now. You, right. you know, this is we're, we're about to step into the dance that we wait for all year. Um, and what really kicks it into gear, just like a cold front kicks a a, a big deer into uh, wanting to get out a little earlier. Uh, once we get a a bunch of hot weather, and then you get that first cold front like we have right now, man, it's game on. Game on. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to sleep. Right. I just, this is the 19th hole you're in. Right. We call this. That's, the, this is called the 19th hole. <laughs> I like it it's because in this, it is a, I mean, this is just like the ultimate, I don't know, whatever kind of drink you like to drink, you sit here and all your worries, you drink that drink and all your worries go away. Yeah. Yeah. You feel good when you come in here. You know, it's a, it's a, it is, it's a, it's a, uh, a gazebo, a screened in gazebo with a fan. Uh, so it's kind of like an outdoor room that connects to our deck. But when we bought the house, it had a just just um, kind of rough wood floor. So what I did is I, I went to uh, I went to the hardware store and picked up this fake turf that looks like I mean it actually looks like a lawn, right? You know, so uh, trim, trimmed it out and got it in here, and it, it kind of sets the tone for <laughs> when you come in. You you know, you you you, uh, you unwind and you do podcasts and you drink adult <laughs> beverages and obviously you hang your Sitka gear and you're right. you know here to air out a little bit. So and that's uh, that's pretty cool because that's where we're going to transition first okay. today. I got a whole bunch of questions I want to ask you about uh, your last trail camera uh, pull, your property, all that stuff. But you got the uh, sub alpine hanging out in the nineteenth uh, hole here mm-hmm. and. Uh, you were just recently on an elk trip. Yep. Yes, sir. All right. So I want you. I want to talk about that right off the bat. First ever elk trip. You went with your dad. Is elk hunting awesome? Oh man, it, it is. Uh, before I went, I had a couple of my my close buddies say, "Oh, well, you're in for it. You, you know, you just found yourself a, a new hobby." 
and I'm thinking, man, the last thing I need is, is to put my money towards another animal to chase, you know, and, and, uh, and dedicate more time towards hunting. But I can tell you, after that trip and experiencing a bugle elk coming in and, and, and pursuing him on the ground, it is a whole new level and dimension of, of hunting. And, uh, man, the elk is a, is a majestic creature. Um, it is it is one that is is now like super special to me and and uh i immediately came home joined rocky mountain elk foundation and just oh, really? like i'm psyched about uh, uh just wanting to get back out there yeah and and it's cool because it's you know september is really when it's when it's really good archery elk hunting and uh, i can see in the years to come trying to figure out where 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 should i apply and, and using these different tools to figure out maybe some uh, some good areas to go out and, and hunt on. Uh, we had a blast. Um, was it, this your dad's first elk hunt too? Yeah, yeah, it was our first elk hunt. Basically, the story is that uh, m- my mom set aside uh, a little bit of money for my dad and I to go on an elk hunt. Or, well, to go on a hunt in general, a big game hunt when I graduated high school, which mm-hmm. had been two thousand and two. Um, she set that money aside and, you know, we just never could quite figure out what that opportunity was. And we've always kicked around the, the elk hunt, but we were intimidated by not, we were intimidated by all of the options out there. There's all these states, there's all these tags and draws and preference points and lotteries and outfitter or no outfitter. You know, you go out there and you can do it yourself and save money or in our eyes, especially with my dad, um, you know, we wanted to make that big trip out there and it'd be us give ourselves the, the best chance. So we went with right. an outfitter. Yeah. So uh, it would have been two years ago in Kansas Whitetail Camp. Uh, I was sharing camp with a guy by the name of Justin Olk. And Justin's got a got a, uh, a show on Sportsman's Channel called Dream Point Outdoors. And him and his, his cameraman, Zach, were, were there and we were sharing camp together. And uh, he mentioned about getting all of us together, and we're all kind of but It's almost like a hunting club yeah. uh, in, in Kansas. And he said, let's get everybody together and head out there to where he's been elk hunting for a long time. Right. And it's uh, – I, I, th- I think it's uh, – it would be considered kind of northwest. It's, it's west of Albuquerque, um, and it's, it's what is known as the largest contiguous – contiguously owned ranch in new mexico right and there's a a well-known outfitter there so he said you know let's plan this in advance so that was that would have been two years ago and and we just went we just went and had a trip so um it took my dad from from pennsylvania to here to iowa uh 11 hours to get here and then we packed up uh, my truck and then the airstream Mm -hmm. and we used that as our, our mobile hunting camp Right. And, and packed up and, and headed out there. And we, we drove for about, oh, 12 hours or so. And um, we stayed just on the eastern edge of New Mexico. Ute State Park is where we stayed. Okay. Anyways, I'm getting down a rabbit hole. But we, 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 it took a long time to get there. And, and, and we, we uh, you know, we parked and we got, we got all settled in. And the goal was to basically go and, and run and gun and, and get in front of these these uh these bulls that were just starting to rut mm-hmm. um so anticipation was su- super high but when we got there it was really the whole summer in, in there in that 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 region was it was just really hot really dry right and our camp was supposed to be hunting the bottom canyon land yeah 
it's really kind of, I think you consider it like high desert, but it's, it's this big canyon we were going to be in. Well, there was really only one big herd there, and there was um, several, there were five hunters in camp. Okay. So it, it was enough for one person to be there, but then the rest of us were sent to the top of the mountain where the mo- most of the elk were in the high timber. Yeah. Ponderosa pines, like dark timber. It's a cattle ranch, so there's these, there's these water what they call drinkers or tanks mm-hmm. for the cattle to always have fresh water to. Well, because it's so darn hot, the elk would come to them frequently as well. Right. Uh, so that was our, our main strategy was to basically go up to the top of that mountain and sit over these drinkers all week and, and wait for them to come in. And, uh, you know, that was our, um, that, that was the tactic, at least in the, in the evenings. Right. And, uh, I don't know. We just didn't really anticipate waiting that long to get to New Mexico and sit in tree stands. So right. that was kind of the beginning of, you know, things that turned <laughs> a, little, a little bit in, you know, in, in this experience. So what was your expectation when you, I mean, you're in, you and your dad, I know your dad, man, he's just like you crazy about hunting. Right. And, and so you have this long ass drive from Iowa to New Mexico and you guys are probably just talking about this hunt. You're pumping it up. You're getting really excited for it. What was your expectation going into uh, into that hunt? I mean, we've all seen those those television shows where it's just like bugles going off left and right. You know, guys running into giant bulls, 400 inch bulls in the on the mountainside. What was your guys? Yeah. What were you guys were thinking about? Yeah. So we tried to not have super strong expectations just because we, we weren't quite sure what we were getting into. I can tell you right now we weren't trophy hunting. Mm-hmm. So uh, a, a 350 bull versus a 310 bull or a 280 bull really didn't matter to us. Mm-hmm. Um, we did want to shoot something that had a frame. We really didn't want to shoot anything that was spikes. Uh, but aside from the quality of the animal, we were just pumped to go out there and, and get involved in the game, the chess right. match, right. The, uh, turkey hunting to the next level, mm-hmm. calling, trying to get in front of them, ambush them, try to call them in. Um, so we had a uh, two-on-one guide. My right. dad and I were both assigned a guide. And um, when, you know, as we're driving out there, I guess we just had an automatic conception that we'd be running the mountains and, and attacking these bulls right and when we were you know told plans have changed and there's a lot of reasons why those plans changed and we were you know kind of setting those stands but um we were kind of bummed yeah and and i i don't know i i know it's a good tactic but um we just were kind of expecting something different and maybe that was on us to not kind of foreshadow, right. oh, it's going to be hot, we're going to have to sit over water, and it'd be a little bit more of a, a defensive hunt, you yeah. know. But um, we eventually, I guess to put it kindly, <laughs> uh, we we eventually got our guide to, to, to get us up there in the mornings and uh, chase the bugles. Right. Before we get to that, sure. though, like – the weather, you mentioned that it was real dry out there, right? So the the canyon where the the bottom herd was in the valleys and stuff, there wasn't the vegetation to keep them there from pre like previous years. So, so was this was this a a matter of the outfitter not necessarily knowing or the outfitter 
assuming the the elk were going to be in the same location like previous more hydrated years and hunt like hunting that way and then not knowing how to adapt or because when i talked to, with you before we started recording this it sounded like i could really sense the frustration that you were white tail using a white tail hunting strategy for elk that were not even close to where you were at yeah yeah exactly it was just seemed to be a well to answer your first question yes in years past when there was more rain better vegetation and 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 more abundant water in that canyon land yeah there were multiple herds down there right and they were there with you know they could be running their cows getting water browsing but it was so dry and crispy that it was kind of a no-brainer right you know, I wouldn't want to be down here if I was, if I was an animal. Um, so, uh, once that happened, you know, and we realized we, we got put up on top. We sat over that drinker the first night. There were bulls screaming all around us. Right. We knew, man, we, this is the place. This is the first week of hunters. We're we're an unpressured area. Uh, we're in the game yeah. now. But they weren't just rolling into those drinkers every night right uh they were concerned about the cows right and, and, and keeping their getting their harem together or chasing after ones that are maybe in heat now, you know i'm not an elk expert so i don't exactly know the lingo or the techno the 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 techniques for what exactly they're doing but it we're basically leading in heading into the breeding season and they're getting fired up about breeding right and they're trying to keep their cows and round their cows up together so that that's their unit their harem so right um so, in the morning, I basically, you know, we, we talked to our guide and we said, man, we really would like to, to, to go, start to go after these things a little bit. And there was some apprehension there because I think that they didn't want to push those elk by getting too aggressive, pushing them out into other um, maybe public land or an right. in, uh, reservation or, or whatnot. They wanted to keep every kind of everybody kind of on the same playing field. You right, know? as far as... Not being super aggressive with one guy that's there, and then having another guy, you know. So, so there, there could potentially be some conflict in camp where it's like, well, hey man, you took him up there and chased him, but I'm sitting down here at this watering hole. Yeah, yeah. It, it, they wanted everybody to be on the same page, mm-hmm. you know. But all the guys we found out were running kind of their not their own businesses, but they were doing what they needed to do to give their clients the best chance at killing a bull. Right. My dad and I thought that our, our ch- best chances were in the morning when right. they're screaming their heads off yeah. and, and they're trying to gather, you, you know, get, get everything together and they're just super vulnerable yeah. up until about 9 o'clock. Let's get up there, wait for the sun to come up and find one that's close and get after him. And, and we, we got a chance to do that. Right. Um, we, we, a little too late, though? We got, well, we got, we got close to several of them, but it seemed like the general tactic was to... Obviously, you don't want them to wind you. Right. But we learned that there's a fine line between being too conservative yeah. and really going the super far away round. Yeah. Um, and not ever giving your chance yourself a chance to anticipate where they're heading or getting in front of them. Right. I understand you don't want to get upwind and then your scent just blow downwind into them. Right. Uh, I get that. But we... I don't know. Uh, and again, we're the rookies here, but right. we walked that fine line all week of kind of questioning: Are we, are, are we giving ourselves a chance? <laughs> right. You know. So, right. um, it was fun whenever 
we were able to get – there were several that we got set up on that yeah. we tried to call in. But what I learned there is that, man, I mean, unless you're a professional caller, calling a herd bull off of his cows is like calling right. a tom turkey off of, yeah. you know – you know all of all of his hens. I mean, there's just no no reason for that unless they feel like the, the you know his he's got a lost cow that's that's that needs rounded back up or something like that. Or he's but being threatened, like his territory is being threatened. His territory is being right. threatened is another one. Yep. So uh, there was a lot of that. You know, trying to figure out what does that look like all week. Right. You know. So um, the best opportunity was uh, the the best opportunity came, I believe, on a. Monday, and this bull uh, came charging down into the lake. I was there was basically this big lake, uh, big pond, small lake. I was I was hunting near all week. It was actually really cool. The, the story about that, you know, I was looking there. We're at the top of this mountain, and the mountain's almost like a tabletop flat. Yeah. But we're at the very top, and I'm looking at this thing, and it's like this is like an architect couldn't plan how perfectly circular this pond or lake is right i'm gonna say it's probably six eight five or six acres large that gives you a decent idea of the size but the banks are all like feathered perfectly these black rocks and Mm -hmm. it's like man this almost looks fake it's so perfect looking yeah well the story is that allegedly uh B-52 bomber a long time ago was was maybe doing a training exercise or whatnot and he was uh, there was a chance that he was going to be going down, so he started dropping some of his 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 loads out in the wilderness. <laughs> I, that that's that's what I was told, and it made this crater, which became a beautiful lake up in the secluded lake up on top of this mountain. So it, he bombed that lake into existence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I don't know if that was like the 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 uh, outfitters, you know, kind of a, a wives' tale with the outfitter, or if that. I certainly believed it because it was like, man, nobody got brought a bulldozer up here to to, right. to make this happen. So, right. <laughs> uh, either way, it, it was it was pretty cool. So that was the lake I was I was hunting on all week, and and we were seeing bulls coming in, but they were always on maybe on the opposite side. Right. And it was very difficult to get yourself into bow position there. Well, we had one come in, and uh, he came right down in, and that was about eighty yards. We got set up on him, shuffled around, and he comes in and he's just putting on a show. He's screaming. Was this a herd bull or a satellite? This bull? had to have been a, a herd bull. I mean, yeah. He was the man. Yeah. And but he left his cows. Yeah. Came down, ran into the lake to get a drink, and then he was going to peace out. Yeah. Uh, he's screaming. The sun's setting on him. He's swimming. He comes out. Two cows come down. And he smells them. He's just all worked up. You know, he's yeah. bugling like every thirty seconds. And uh, then he gets a little closer, and he's at like sixty. He's in the water, and I, I just didn't, I didn't want to shoot him in the water. I'm not sure what was going through my head. Maybe it was a legality standpoint or an ethics standpoint. I also didn't want my to shoot too low, and my arrow. I didn't know how that was going to react with the water. I was just confident that I was going to get a closer shot at. Yeah, so you didn't I, have a fishing license. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Uh, he comes into about 45, and he's facing towards us, and he's he's raking the mud, and he's flinging mud everywhere. I'll never, ever forget that sight. And and uh, he's quartering towards me severely. In hindsight, I've shot enough. I could have slipped one in there. Yeah. I'm shooting a heavy enough arrow where maybe I, I do take that shot, that frontal shot, 
which is actually a lot larger of a, of a vital area with elk as opposed to whitetail, especially on the ground. I got a heavy enough arrow I can get down into his heart because basically right. from from his where the dark meets the light the dark brown meets the light brown there's a chamber there that'll lead right, your the heart's only about a foot in inside yeah. of that and so I hindsight I, I I probably should have taken that shot but the way he was working he was going to follow that lake bank right down the edge and I was going to be able to draw bam behind this bush 25 yards broadside and just about that time, I hear a squeak. Well, it was the diaphragm call of the, of the guide. And I'm not sure to this day if he uh, accidentally, did, accidentally it. did it or if he purposely did it. But regardless, that bull heard, heard that, and he just decided to come straight in. And... Uh, I had no opportunity to draw. I mean, he was coming. He would just he, he closed the distance from 45 to, you know, it, it got to the point where it was, he was at about, you know, three feet from me. And right. I could have jumped and punched him in the face if I wanted to. But I, at the last second, I tried to draw and, and just lift my bow up and shoot him right there where I was talking about. But obviously he saw me draw and he took off. And that was the closest opportunity of the, of the week. So, um, you know, it just was a... It was a very, very fun week, but it was also built with some frustration, yeah. you know, and not, just not sure if we're having, if, if we're, we're set up with somebody that has got the, that's on the same page as us, you know, right. and I think that one thing that I've learned, since I came home and I'm just consuming everything I can about elk hunting now, I'm just like obsessed with it, and I'm on Instagram following all these, these guys that are killers in the elk woods, and one thing that I'm, the, the common theme here is that an elk hunting, I, I think that not many people go out and do it alone. There's always another partner yeah. or it's a team. Yeah. It's a team effort. And uh, you all got to be on the same page. That's what it, all, that's what it comes down to. Is when you got four alpha males sitting there trying to figure out <laughs> where did that bugle come from and what's our plan of attack, shit gets hectic. Yeah. And, 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 and personalities con- conflict. And meanwhile, you got one guy trying, you know, he's the one that's responsible for sending an arrow down range. And, right. And, uh, it, it um, it's just a good learning lesson. So, so, is this something that this experience did it has it ruined you as far as going and trying to uh, do another outfitted hunt someday, or are you? I mean, did it say you know what I'm gonna I want to do the public route now? I I, I personally want to start to do some public stuff just because I'm bullheaded enough where I want to go out and figure it out myself. Yeah, I want to learn how to call, get somebody else, and go out there and attack together. Uh, hopefully it's yours truly someday. And, uh, I, I won't say that I'll never hunt with an outfitter again. Right. Um, I think that in general, we, we went with a great, very reputable operation. Um, you just have to be able to, to, to have the right guide, I think is what it comes down to. Right. And that's, I'm not trying to put this into a, a black and white bucket where it was, Oh, you know, bad guide great hunters bad result it's not it's 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 not that but you have to have somebody that you believe in and is giving you confidence and you're feeding off each other and you go out and you you all go and kill right. that animal together right um that's I, that's really what I, I gathered the most from the elk hunt but i do plan on starting to apply like crazy to some of these 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 different areas and different states and learning about that and uh and trying to go out and have some success because it was it was way fun i was 
I was just really looking forward to being able to take a bowl off that mountain and, and you know, uh, bring him in, you know, into the house and eat, eat his, you know, eat the meat and it just, enjoy, I think that would just right. be so special to be able to bring an animal like that. That's truly wild. Right. Back to Iowa. Right. And you know, that's, that's what excites me. So aside from that, right. Aside from maybe some communication errors between what your expectations were and what the outfitters expectations were, the experience in general. Talk about that. The experience in general was um, one that I'll always cherish. I got to drive cross country with my dad, who I've talked about on this podcast before. He's a very special person. Um, he introduced me to hunting. Right. And to be able to uh, get in the truck and go spend one-on-one time together and do something as special as a, a new hunt like this for that's new to both of us you know he's not introducing it to me i'm not introducing it to him we're going to experience this together on the same level Mm -hmm. is 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 what it is really all about and and, uh you know that saying in the hunting world this is what it's all about it's so cliche you know but but uh to me uh that is a memory that i'll be able to take to my last breaths right and uh i know he feels the same um you know he 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 had a really good time. Uh, he enjoyed staying in the Airstream. We had, like, this mobile hunting locker. We're in this beautiful, beautiful country. And these animals, I mean, when an elk bugles, I, I, for the, the, the first night I tried to go to sleep, I would close my eyes, and I could hear these things screaming in my mind. And it, it was just like, that's how many bugles I heard. Yeah. And, and uh, then, then you get to see one get behind a cow and kind of, you know, duck down and throw his head up and, you know, and, and bugle and, uh, oh man, just an awesome creature! And uh, that le- the the last pursuit that I had, I got, at the very end, you know, uh, I got after this one bull down in the canyon because the guy who was hunting down there, he killed. Yeah. So I got cracks at it the last day. Yeah. And there was still a herd down there, still a herd bull and some satellite bulls. And uh, I got into about a hundred yards of them, and I, I I just couldn't cover any more ground. The cows were there, and it was it was just basically nothing in between us but there's this crazy storm coming in and and i mean i'm in this canyon that's got to be five miles wide and there's lightning hitting the you know the lightning striking in the foreground and he's bugling and it's like man (laughs) it was just it was it was it it, it seemed (laughs) fake and i just i was in the moment but i i i I try to stop sometimes when i recognize i'm in these moments and just just remember that you know and that's and uh man uh Good stuff. Right. Really good stuff. Right. I tell you what, when I went out to Idaho, just even the drive out there and the drive back and I don't know, it's one of those things, like you said, it's burnt in your memory and I think about it every day. It, 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 the West is, I don't know, a, a lot of people, I, I've even talked to guys, they're like, man, I really don't have any interest going out there you know because i got you know i got turkeys and i fish a lot and i can do all this stuff i'm just saying if you go out there and expose yourself to that it will change your life the 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 west is really um when we quit our when we uh so for the people that don't know i used to live and work in washington dc for the government started huntera as a as a side business or a side hobby and it got to the point where we decided to pack up and really pursue entrepreneurship full-time with it, Kate Kate and I. Well, 
we packed up in that airstream that my dad and I went on this hunt with. We packed up and, and we headed west. Yeah. Uh, for three months, we basically ripped around. Uh, we hit 22 different states and we went on this cross country road trip and we spent the majority of our time in the west, basically from Colorado to the coast, right. north to south. And when we saw it all, and well, we saw we didn't see it all. We saw a lot. And uh, the west has just got something about it that is freedom it's it's freedom to its core it's yeah. everything is just so big and you just feel you you go out there and you feel like you can do anything right it's 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 a it's a it's a paradigm you you get into and the west mattered so much to us that we actually you know that trip signified a lot for kate and i in our lives but we we ended up naming J- our son jack his middle name is west and there's kind of a play there because her maiden name is westcott um which you know, it's kind of cool that half of that mm-hmm. is his middle name. But the West really um, was a symbol for us of of life. Yeah. And uh, so we decided to give him the middle name West, Jack West. And, and uh, uh, yeah, I just love it out there. Yeah. It's it's awesome. And, right. then, you know, here we are back in Iowa. We're be- be- you know, we're in the best whitetail hunting country uh, in the, the, the galaxy. And, and uh, we're still thinking about the West. I mean, I that's, know. you know, an elk hunting and whatnot. And that's just how powerful that area is out there. So passion, right? It's uh, opening day is this Sunday, October 1st, right? Oh, baby. Um, are you jacked? <laughs> are you alive? <laughs> Do you have a pulse right now? That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man, absolutely. Every year it comes and the anticipation builds and, you know, you get this little jag of weather that makes you want to go grab a hoodie at night and, and uh, you know what's coming. Uh, the grind is coming is really what it comes down yeah. to. And uh, uh, I'm super pumped, man. It's it's uh, another whitetail season coming up. Um, I'm still learning a, a ton about the ground that I hunt here here in Iowa. And, and uh, I'm, I'm going to be busier uh, this year with work, uh, you know, with Huntera and with whitetail properties more so than, you know, I'm going to have more work in the fall. Uh so I think that it's I'm not going to be able to hunt as often uh, or as um, uh, sporadic right. um, as I have in the past. Uh, my schedule has allowed me to just oh, there's a cold front coming or oh man, this I got a good wind. I'm going to get in the truck go hunt tonight. Right. Um, but I think I'm okay with being a little more selective with the right conditions and slipping down in there and and with with what I know in the past and how that deer movement has been. I got a couple stands that have just, man, the right conditions come, I'll be there. Right. And I think it'll be a lot better than putting five sits in ahead of time and, and, and hoping that one works out. You know? Right. So that's that's where I'm at this year. Okay. So the last couple, uh, I don't want to go get into the entire story mm-hmm. because uh, I'll, I'll just give the abbreviated version real quick. This buck you named Pork after your dad has been on your property for – Ever since you started hunting there, you hit it last year. It didn't turn out good f- for you, um, but there was some hope during during uh, a little mushroom hunt this spring where the landowner said, hey, uh, I saw a giant buck and described it to a T of what this buck you call pork um, has uh, yeah. kind of looks like. So we were going to do this last week, but you're like, okay, hold off. I got to check my trail camera. Uh, you know, I might have some more information for for you and, and the podcast when uh, 
you know, after I checked my, my cards. Mm-hmm. So what did you find out on this last trail camera check? Just, I went down there and pulled uh, six cameras um, this past weekend, and he is still not around. And it's really not a, a big surprise to me yet because the last two seasons, my first pictures I actually got of that deer was on a certain scrape, October 10th. Okay. And uh, uh, I feel like he is a, an animal that transitions after the, you know, whether it's the, the, the harvesting of the crops around or it's just his fall pattern mm-hmm. that changes. Um you know the cows come out on uh, uh, in September on the farm that I hunt, so it's it's got cows in it all year until basically hunting season. So all of these things add up to I think that he likes to, to to spend his time here in the fall. I don't believe he spends time here in the summer. And and, and right now we're at September twenty. What is it? Twenty five. Twenty six today. Twenty sixth. Yeah. Um, we're still at that. We're at that tail end. Excuse me. We're at the tail end of that summer pattern still, yeah. I believe. And you're going to start to have some bucks. You know you're making some scrapes obviously their 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 velvet's off now but i still think at least on this farm things haven't changed quite yet that being said i do have a deer that is of interest to me this year that i passed a ton last year as a three-year-old you know i i believe when when i initially saw this deer my gut was three-year-old and it just had this frame on him like you you have to pass this deer i mean he's got so much upside and he was either a just an awesome three-year-old or a four-year-old. I was on the fence all year, back and forth about what he was, but I knew, regardless, I'm not going to shoot him. Yeah. And I had an opportunity several times within 20 yards of him that he just he walked right past. I got footage of him. I got a bunch of trail cam pictures of him. I saw him the beginning of the season. Saw him in the rut, and I saw him at the very, very, very end of. The, I actually saw him last sit that I had. Yeah. So he lived there. He was a homebody. Um, and I just had a lot of anticipation for what he was going to be this year. And sure enough, bam, there he is. He showed up, uh, uh, got a bunch of them in velvet this year, and he just completely transformed into a different animal. He put on probably, I'm going to say, 25 inches, give or take. Nice. Um, last year he was a mainframe eight, but both of his twos were split pretty deep. But he had, like, just tiny little bump brow tines. So yeah. he looked like a mule deer. Yeah. Uh, so I call him Stevie Ray Vaughn, and after Stevie Ray Vaughn's band was Double Trouble, yeah. with Double G2s and Double Trouble, you know. So anyway, Stevie Ray. <laughs> There's the comparison. Right, yeah, yeah. That's kind of a stretch, too. It's like, how out of control am I getting naming these, these animals after famous rock stars? But but anyways, uh, Stevie Ray is uh, uh, back, and, man, he's super – he's a lot more impressive now. And I showed, the, you know, last year's picture to a good bit of people – recently and i said how old is this deer man every single one was coming back four 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 and it could have just been that picture you know but i i I showed that i showed him that picture and a couple other pictures of him uh to some people that i i really trust as far as agent deer and they've just got a ton of experience managing whitetails in their lives and and uh a lot of people are thinking he was four last year so um either way if he comes by this year, I'm going to hammer him. I think it, he just is. Uh, yeah. um, he's just too good of a deer to, to, to pass up, and it's got to be a bird in hand thing at this point. Yeah. You know, I can I can dream just to kill pork, but there's no evidence he's around yet. And you know, we all well, my buddies and I know darn well how long it's taken to get in, to get in front of him. You know, right. so you know, we'll see we'll see what what uh, the cards how the cards uh, 
fold out, but I'm not just going to run down there and jump in a stand quite yet. I, yeah. I, I know that. I'm going to wait for these, you know, at least Stevie Ray to, to start to show some, some uh, daylight activity. Um, and uh, in the meantime, it, when I do hunt, I'm going to try to try to set myself up to shoot some does really yeah. conservatively. Yeah. I do want to kill some does this year before I get hardcore into focusing on a specific buck just so I can get some, some deer down again. And that transitions into what I really worked on this all of this spring and summer was getting rid of this target panic and, and kind of relearning how to shoot the bow and right. getting my mentality straight again. And all, all I set my, I set this goal, set of goals up for myself and this kind of game plan of how I'm going to fix myself. And, and, and one of those pieces of homework is to go out and kill some does early. Right. So, right. Yeah, i tell you what, there's, if I've ever had a monkey on my back when it comes to time in the stand, I've, I've realized that there's one thing that actually helps get that monkey to go away. And that's to slam a couple does, man. Yeah. There's nothing, I mean, obviously a big buck changes the game a little bit, but getting the kill out of the way yeah. is something that I, I really think can help a guy uh, when it comes to uh, target panic as well. Yeah, yeah, you get back into the groove of pulling, you know, pulling through that shot whenever uh, it matters most. Yeah. Um, so. so what about this scenario, all right? It's, it's starting to get, when. okay, when did pork show up for you well it's beginning of october okay. would you say yep. okay yep. so let's say pork doesn't show up doesn't show up doesn't show up and you're starting to get you know you're you're accepting the fact that pork is gone and you're going out and you're hunting uh another one of these mature bucks that that's on the property pork shows back up again <laughs> does your entire strategy shift at that point let's say like out of nowhere, November 3rd, 4th, 5th, Pork shows up, and now he's a regular on your property. Does, does Ben Harshine say, er, all right, Stevie Ray Vaughn, I'm going after Pork now? Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, the farm I'm hunting is not large enough to really um, uh, be able to hunt one specific deer and then not encounter these other ones. Right. It's small enough where... I'm seeing all of these deer frequently throughout the season. Right. So maybe I'll sit in veteran stand and I'm expecting to see pork. And then here comes Stevie Ray and, and, and Ed and, and club. And Ed, Ed is a buck that just I've seen. I saw him more than any deer last year. He just was all over the farm. No matter where I sat, I saw him. So I'm, I'm hunting in a small enough area that the, the huntable acres really, if you take out the junk CRP, which is, and I say junk CRP. It, CRP is a great program when used properly, but some of those programs have habitat that is inferior for whitetails. Right. So that is the junk CRP I'm talking about. It's like orchard grass. It's shin high. Yeah. Um, that's there's a hundred acres of that, but man, it, it doesn't hold much wildlife. Right. So uh, you drop that down, and I'm I'm hunting a core area that's probably closer to like a 160 to 200 something around there. Um, during the rut, those deer are going to be going from one end to the next, I mean, like nothing, within a matter of a handful of minutes right. if they really want to. So I saw all these deer in all the different stands I hunted. So I think to really say, oh, well, uh, pork's back, I'm, I'm going to shift all of my focus to him, well, I'm still going to have a really good chance of a good deer coming by that is not him. Right. 
although with all these encounters I've had now with him, w- with with the trail cam pictures, studying all of this data I've got of this animal, uh, man, I think I got. If he is back, I know where I'm going to go for him. Right. It's not. There's not going to be a question. Uh, the only question is, hey, weatherman, what wind do we have this morning? And if it's a south. Or, a, or a, anything that's got south to it and some west, I know that I'm going to be in this one stand. And if it's got some north or some east, I'm going to be in this other. And, right. and I'm just going to play that play that deal. Uh, those two spots are so good that it, I'm, I'll run into another deer there probably. Right. You know, and then that becomes a question of am I going to pull the trigger on a different deer or forks around. Right. Uh, if it's a mature buck, um, uh, the answer is yes at this point. So. All right. So you're out there, you, you know, you're you're – November set, you're grinding it out. Do you have a stand that is like a go-to stand um, where, let's say, you know, everybody wants that northwest wind right after a cold front comes through, you know, that, you know, that first, second week in November. Is that a stand where you're potentially going to see every buck on your property work through there at some point? Yes. I got one, Electric Ladyland. Well, Electric Ladyland is the doe bedding area on the farm. When I say doe bedding area, I've seen bucks bed in there. However, the way it sets up, uh, does love that spot, and it's like the uh, it, it would. It's basically the got my food up up on top, and then there's a hardwood flat that starts in the timber, and then it's kind of the edge of the hardwood flat that starts to drop down. It's like this nice hillside, and there's some cedars there, and it's just a ton of briars. Right. And the does just love that area. Well, I got a stand that would be on the southeast edge of it, where I can see a good ways. Yeah. And it, but it's it's cool. It's one of those it's one of those spots where you 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 look and you feel like oh I can see everything immediately. But there's the briars are so tall and thick in there where you kind of you have to really look for them. It's kind of like a Where's Waldo thing, right. you know. Um, all of the bucks know that that is a hot spot. It's just a matter of, to find the does, it's just a matter of if they're going to commit close enough or come by close enough within bow range. Well, I think I've got that doubt in pretty good because if you look at it, and I actually made a, a video, a short video about this on uh, Hunter's YouTube channel. It's just a selfie video. But I'm I'm in the timber, and you can see a defined edge of, of where you got kind of mature hardwoods, open uh, open area, and then it, there's a line, and then it's it's heavy duty briars. Right, and and that line, that edge is kind of interior edge. It's a change in stem counter, a change in vegetation type. Even though if you look at it on the map, it's in the block of this. Tim- it's in a block of timber, and you couldn't pick it out from the map. Excuse me. Uh, those deer have picked picked that out, and they just like that edge. They like right. walking that change right there. So that stand is in a good spot. In fact, I came to draw on, on park uh, on pork. Uh, I came to full draw on him. Would have been November eleventh or November tenth of twenty fourteen. That afternoon, Dad and I were scheduled to head to to Kansas. I was meeting him for our Kansas hunt, so I was committed to basically. I was hunting that morning, right. and I got I I I I, uh, I hung that stand in the morning. It was in tighter. I was like, man, I want to get a stand in there, start to get aggressive, you know. And I, right. I, I popped that thing up. I had a, ch- I, I had a feeling I was going to possibly see him. Well, I got high enough where I could see. Uh, to my right is this ditch that drops down. It goes up, and you you can see a 
basically a, a, a spur uh, that's really thick that leads off the food plot. And, and uh, that spur is where I saw him, and I ended up grunting him over. And the wind was just not – it wasn't the perfect wind to hunt that spot on, but I didn't realize he was going to really be coming through there. So, anyways, I got close to him. He needed a couple more steps, and I would have I got a shot. But um, that's a stand that, that is, is going to be a good one, I think. Right. And there's a couple more that I fine-tuned – um, where, okay, instead of having, you know, 15 stand locations, let's dial into five really good ones. Right. You know, right. So, so on a couple of my properties I have, er, the, the access is just wonky. Like it's very hard to come in from the back side of it. Is, is your property have a back door in it or do you kind of access your property all through the same uh, the same access route and then kind of go different directions from there. And are you bumping deer going into this piece? You know, it's, uh, I, I can only access it mainly, well, from the North, basically the road is, is on the North end. I can, I can come down any, the East line, the West line, or there's a center, there's a Missouri crossing kind of at the center of the farm. Missouri crossing is just basically, a creek crossing that has rocks in it. You can drive a truck across right. or a tractor or whatnot. Right. So then, and that's kind of the main entrance to the farm. Um, when it comes to the mornings, um, they seem to be either in the big fields, it would be to the south or east, or on my plot. This year they'll definitely be there because I got two acres of beans fenced in, so I got a lot oh, of good, nice. good food up there. Uh, I was I was fortunate to, to catch, catch some moisture at some opportune times here in southern Iowa, which not many people were able to. But anyways, the... The beans turned out well. They'll be there mornings, a lot easier to get out than the evenings. Mm-hmm. Evenings, uh, I don't have really as defined of a deer movement as what would be nice is, is them coming out, kind of staging, browsing a small plot, then heading to the big fields. They did that in the very beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. But then once those crops come out, they're kind of just like, well, Harshine's got all the food here. This is where we're going to be. Right. And it can make for a challenge to get out. Right. I've done, you know, uh, coyote calls before to scare them out and whatnot. I've tried to sneak out. Uh, last year I planted some Egyptian wheat to be able to get out. This year I changed some stand locations. I got this one that's it's really, I think it's going to work out really well. I basically, in February, or in March, uh, it was actually on my birthday weekend, I cleaned out this drainage that goes from the, from the, 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 the creek all the way up to the food plot. So it goes the whole way through that you know, through all of that good cover, but it's a, it's a trench and it's like, it's like 10 feet deep right. and had briars, you know, growing through it and branches and everything. I just, I, I spent a weekend and I cleared that from the Creek all the way up. So literally I'll walk inside the earth, <laughs> wind my way up on through and at the very head of it, I'll be able to pop out and I can either crawl or, 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 or walk like five steps and i'll be in the back side of a cedar tree cedar tree which i just got a stand in i, I was telling you about yeah. the other day yeah i got that cedar tree uh stand in there and it's uh uh man that might be the ticket for the food plot because i can get out of there really quietly and that cedar tree i'm not I'm, it's like a bush you know i got great cover the whole way through the season but i can get out of there hit the ground and literally crawl right into that that drainage and, mm-hmm. and get out of there. And there, I mean, everything's going to be past me. So, right. um, that was a creative move, but that was one I planned to, uh, basically at the end of the season. I'm like, I'm going to do that. I'm not going to do it in the middle of the season, but this is what I need to do in the off season. Yeah. And that was one of my big projects this past spring. So, uh, we'll see how it works. 
I know in the past you described some problems or challenges you've had with food plots. Mm-hmm. You made some alterations to some of the food plots. You minimized but made bigger a couple food plots. How did that turn out this year as far as uh, the growth? Um, it, has it been a successful uh, endeavor for you? Yes, for the most part. Um, so you're only going to be as good as the cards of Mother Nature deal deal you. However you got to give yourself a chance initially. And, like, last year where I really struggled is I broadcasted beans. Right. Okay, I, I, I had the landowner uh, disc up. Well, I basically sprayed and mowed. Then I had the farmer disc up uh, the dirt. Well, uh, or the landowner, this disc that he used was really light duty, and it just didn't chop up this rough sod as good as possible. So... I ended up planting on a really hard surface last year and broadcasting, so I just got no germination, really. That was a failure, and and, uh, I ended up being able to get brassicas in there, but the brassicas was a a, a crop that that herd hasn't seen for a while. Okay. And they really didn't touch that stuff until it got super cold. Once it freezes, then the chemical composition and those bulbs start to change. They sweeten up. Those deer will come in, and they'll they'll start to really rely on that. And they, they did later and later and later towards Christmas time and afterwards. I and I killed my buck last year over it, so yeah. it, it did work. However, I really wanted to get some beans in there again, so I, I ended up uh, contracting a guy to come in and no till drill them. So when it comes to CRP ground, uh, CRP conservation uh, restoration program is basically. Um, native grasses that are planted and over time you get some really serious sod buildup and compaction and it's just it's tough stuff to just go in and rip up and put a food plot in Mm -hmm. okay well i was able to uh um, get tyler to come and no-till beans in Mm -hmm. and basically uh the, the way that a no-till drill works for people that don't know, it, it, you're basically slicing a, a very fine. Uh, you're making a very fine slice in the in the soil, dropping a, a bean in there and compressing it again, and it's like perfect seed to soil contact. You're not going to have much uh, uh, weed competition, yeah. and what it turned out to be was just an awesome food plot. Again, I got beans that. Um, I was right on the line of drought and no, you know, uh, moderate drought and extreme drought in, in southern Iowa. I got enough timely rain where I have beans that are up to my chest, basically. Oh, nice. Um, now, they're up to my chest because I put a hot zone fence this year around them um, to protect them. And if you walk down the line of that hot zone fence and outside where there, there were beans outside as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a defined browse line there. It's yeah. pretty pretty cool to see, and it, that that hot zone fence does work. That's to protect my beans for late season and really try to draw some deer in. You know, even after Thanksgiving. When are you gonna take that fence down? You know, uh, I'm not sure yet because there. I was there the other day, and they're starting to turn, and there's no sense in opening it until they really want to start to hit it, um, right. and really whenever I want to start to hunt it, and. I could take it down now and have some green beans to hunt over opening season, but if I leave it up longer, I just have more and more beans for late season. Right. And really being able to hold those deer in, not only for hunting, but also to keep them in tights so other neighbors right. aren't killing them, you know. Right. So 
I don't know about that. That's a good question, Dan. I, I, I've been talking to some people about that, and I – it's six and one half dozen in the air. You can yeah. have a ton of food for late season, or you can open it up right away and have some good hunting. So right. I'm not sure. And here's the here's the dilemma that we're facing here in Iowa. Is, uh, we've had a huge acorn drop this year. I don't know. Did, does your farm have a lot of oaks? Yeah, there's there's some there's some oaks there, and, and uh, I wonder if that'll affect food plots, field edges, anything like that. Yeah, I think it's just uh, what it's going to do is. Especially if you're on a farm that has a lot of uh, stands of oaks. Yeah. I think what you'll find is not as defined of movement. Now, let's just say, for example, you're in an old pasture ground and there's no hardwoods anywhere uh, except for maybe this one grove that's near you. Well, it can just be insane hunting probably. Right. Um, I don't think that's really the case. There's hardwoods all throughout the Midwest, you know, so... With the mass crop this year, it's definitely going to spread the deer out. It's not going to get them in front of the cameras as often. It's not going to uh, bring them out to your plots uh, quite as quick, I would imagine, until yeah. they, they get off of that. And, you know, as hunters, we just have to adapt. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I do have a, a spot that I don't have a stand in yet. It'll be more of a running gun tree. I got the tree picked out. But it's basically right in between plot and acorns. Mm-hmm right up against bedding okay. so i figured they'll probably get up out of bed browse the the acorns a bit and then you know even at last light work their way out to the plot and may be able to get a hold of one so right um i'm gonna just gonna really rely on the cameras to, to tell me when and where where to hunt to to an extent until the weather conditions really start to, to roll so i envision maybe not getting too many sits in over food early and, and just focusing more on on the rut or ha- halloween or uh, you know, around there, yeah. to really start to just dive into the thick cover and start start my hunting season. Then you know? here's here's a, a question I got for you. Uh, checking your trail cameras now, man. I'm I like to know what's happening on my farm mm-hmm. as much as I possibly can. And I used to be that guy who would, you know, walk down or drive a truck out, walk down, get the get the uh, cards, check them, but not hunt. You know, hunt the area. Mm-hmm. So I'm you know, in some way intruding into that, uh, into that area. And then I got some guys who are like, man, don't be a dipshit. Go in, you know, don't check your cards until the season's over because that no matter when you check your cameras, it's historic data, mm-hmm. historical data. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what's your trail camera check strategy like? Um, mine is, is mainly when, when I'm down there and I have the right wind and it's like a mid, mid, let's just say I go down there for a morning hunt. Right. Um, and I've got a, uh, an east wind where there's a couple camera locations where I can go and snag that, that camera either on the way out or it's non-intrusive to go check it. Right. Um, instead of just going and checking all of them. Mm-hmm. But when I say, you know, I'm going to let the cameras tell me when to hunt, I'm talking more about couple of these deer i got history with now right when did they really start to get active right um i am limited in my access so i i'm kind of sensitive about when when i check these things and and uh it's it's you know it's you get in that mindset of like man i'm down here because it's an hour away from my house right it's like i'm down here and i'm gonna just go go check out and see what's going on but boy why don't you just wait until that wind is, is a little bit better before yeah. you can affect that, that certain area. So I feel like I've got enough intel on the farm now where it's like, okay, well, i got a couple good stand locations set. I know that if I can hunt these on good conditions, I'm 
probably going to get into the deer. Looking in the past, when did a couple of these bucks really start to like to move, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. It's uh, I don't have, like, an ATV or a UTV to go check check my cameras or right. whatnot. I, 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 I sneak around more, you know? Um, but a lot of times I try to pick when it's windy or when it's raining. Or several times this past year, whenever it was, like, serious rain in the forecast. Yeah. And and on the back side of that would have been, like, some good cold weather, some high pressure. When I'd run down there, it was, like, not to hunt. It was to get cameras pulled. Right. So you, you're kind of going on the weather or the, the rain is going to wash away the scent mm-hmm. and, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, just to help conceal. Yeah. You know, I, I mean – has that ever worked for you? Even be quieter, yeah. you know. Um, I don't know. I, I like to think it works. It, yeah. It's 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 hard for me to say. Oh well, because I checked my camera in the rain. Um, <laughs> you know, na- x na- amount of bucks yeah, stayed yeah, in my it's, property. It's hard yeah. for me to see that, but I'm just trying to do what I can to add every little bit of edge. Yeah, you know, just small details, basically. So, um, I don't know. I think uh, I don't think it, it it hurts to be selective, and especially at least with your wind. You know, it's like like if I if I'm hunting the if I'm if I'm hunting the west line, a lot of those deer like to bed in the timber to my east. And if I've got a west wind, I'm starting from the top and going the whole way down. And there anything that's there is going to catch a whiff of me coming in, right? Especially midday, and it's like mm, that's not a good thing. Yeah, no go. So I'll, I'll wait for more of a south to to. So basically, as I'm walking in. And I, it just seemed like we got a lot of souths last year, and I was able to check that camera as, almost as much as I wanted to. I'd walk right down that fence line, and I'm just walking into the wind the whole time, slip in, grab the camera, uh, you know, pull the card and, and, and dip on out of there, go back to the truck to check it, not looking at the pictures right then and there. And I actually got one of these uh, handy uh, card reader things I could plug into my phone. Yeah. So as I'm walking back, I can kind of flip through to yeah. just to save some time, you know, because right. it seems like down there – uh, man, I like to hunt. Like, my morning hunt usually lasts about 11. Yeah. I, I like to hunt. I don't like to hang it up at 9 o'clock. Right. Know, and I just, so I hunt to about 11. If I'm not going to hunt the whole day, if I don't adjust to another stand, I'll go, and it's like, okay, let's go check cameras for, you know, basically an hour and a half or so, make a game plan to get to the evening hunt. You know, it's not a ton of time. So, um, I don't know. I'm always always learning, but... There's some of those farms you can just look at on the map. You know, I'll, I'll make a map of this client's property or whatnot. It's like, man, look at this place. is like Funnel just, City. Yeah, fun, <laughs> Funnel City, and then you could just get on a four-wheeler and literally check 20 cameras around the perimeter and really right. not bother anything. Right. You know, it's just this farm just doesn't set up that way. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, man, it is uh – I don't know this overcast. I just feel like I should be sitting in a stand right now. We should just be hanging up and going to hunt. You let's know? let's just let's just start. I don't think the government would care. The DNR would care if we started hunting a, like a week and a half early, huh? Right, right. <laughs> you know, I got a text from my buddy uh, the other day. That Mike, Mike, uh, Mike, he helped me with my my food plots um, this this year. Uh, he texted me a picture. He killed a buck the other night, and here he was hunting the urban zone oh you know here in iowa city yeah yeah you know it's just like i just didn't i i, I knew that it was it came in early but right. i wasn't focused on because i'm not hunting you know the area so i saw that he's like killed one tonight i'm like you lucky son of a gun <laughs> you know <laughs> you're already into him that's pretty cool you know so uh, are you gonna try to uh slam any does early this year or what's your yeah, i mean that, i know we talked about you know trying to get the monkey off our back with a couple doe kills but is that 
going to work into your strategy as far as the approach to your farm, or are you going to hunt maybe some different properties to put some does down? Well, I, I am going to hunt. Uh, I got an invitation from, from one of my friends to, to do uh, a doe hunt with him. Nice. Um, that'll be awesome. He loves to have people come and shoot does on his farm. Yeah. Um, and then on this one I'm hunting, I have a, a, I've got a plot uh, that is doe central. Yeah. And when I've sat on it, man, that just does everywhere, and there's not that many bucks. It's probably a good spot for the rut, but um, it's it, it your entry and exit is really really good. Yeah. Um, and it's it's kind of on the northern end, so I literally can like you know park my truck, walk down the road, you know behind a big bank, mm-hmm. come up over that bank, drop down into this little ditch, and I'm like right there. Right. And it's like you know it's it's uh it's super safe. Yeah. Um. So I think that's going to be a spot where I can get in early especially with some uh i can hunt that with anything south all the way to straight west Um, just as long as it doesn't have any east or north in it and you know early season like this uh probably get a lot of those wins so nice um, Nice. yeah yeah man fill that freezer up a little bit yeah nice yep yep so uh it's it's here. I know. I know. I got a Sunday. I, everybody's asking me, Hey Dan, man, are you going to, you going to get out on Sunday night? Um, you going to, you going to get out and do some early season hunting. And I think my answer is just a straight up. No, <laughs> like <laughs> no reason to beat around the bush. No. I mean, like I was telling in my wife, she's even like, you know, Hey, I don't care if you go, you know, go hunting. And I think that's a trap. <laughs> I think that's a little <laughs> bit of a trap, but I, th- I'm fig- I figure I'm going to save all my brownie points, and I'm going to just hunt. I think my first hunt is going to be the weekend of October 21st and 2nd. Uh, and then because I, I, I have to take pictures for a wedding on the 14th, then I have that next weekend free, and then I have to go all the way up to Minnesota for a family wedding in the Twin Cities. So that's going to be like a giant drive up there and, and back so that weekend's gone and then the the weekend after that is the first weekend in november and and then it's three weeks of uh grind till you die you know yep yep well that's uh that's good man you got obviously some family obligations but you're not going to be missing out on too too much you know right. you're going to be just right. coming in fresh uh right when the going gets good and i think Oh, that wind's picking up. I know. good. I know. I think uh, there's Talk a cold the front moving in right now. neighbor burning garbage down here, which is <laughs> giving us quite a buzz, probably. It's uh, it's kind of funny. The wind is starting to pick up. The neighbor's burning tires, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and the other neighbor's mowing the yard. So I think that's a sign that uh, we're uh, we're going to call our quits here. Yeah. Well, man, I, I really appreciate you taking time to uh, hop on. Uh, and uh, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. If I've told you this before, but pork, that story, I follow, I'm following Kenyans, you know, with, uh, Holyfield, uh, and I'm following the story of pork because I have this gut feeling that the story of pork is not over yet. Not over yet. Oh man. I sure hope. I hope it's not over. Yeah, that, 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 that dude has given me a, uh, just a lot of, uh, a lot of excitement, a lot of anticipation. He's just, I mean, it's, he's, uh, he sometimes seems larger than life to me and that could be, you know, work against me, but, um, to be continued. Yep. I need one, I need one, I'm asking one favor from you though. Okay. Okay. 
I talked with Mark about this. If he kills Holyfield, I said, I want to be in the top 10 phone calls. Okay. So if you kill Port, can I be in your top 10 phone call list? Y- yeah, man. You're going to come help me drag him. Hell yeah. If I get him. That's all I want. Yeah. That's all I want. Definitely. Well, here's to, uh, here's to uh, hunting season 2017. Heck yeah, man. Huge shout out to Ben for coming on the podcast today, man. Really appreciate you taking time out of your day. I know you were busy throwing the maps out to the people. Huge shout out to each and every one of you who have taken the time to download this podcast. I really appreciate it. I just found out that I was having some website problems and those website problems have been fixed. So thank you very much for your patience. If you guys were having problems uh, getting the podcast from the website, it has been fixed. So uh, there's that. Other than that, huge shout out to all the partners of the podcast, Deer Lab, Ripcord Arrow Rests, Exodus Trail Cameras, Wasp Archery, Gearhead Archery, Ozonix, Lone Wolf Tree Stands, Deer Lab, I said Ripcord already, and who else am I missing? Bighorn Outfitters. Huge shout out to all those partners. Please support those partners because they support me. Thank you very much for that. And uh, if you haven't already, go to iTunes, all right? We need to go to iTunes, uh, subscribe to this podcast, or wherever you get your, uh, wherever you get it, get the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. Um, go leave a review on iTunes. Give me a five-star. Tell me how freaking awesome I am. <laughs> Other than that, social media. Check me out on Instagram. Check me out on Twitter. Check me out on Facebook. And I think that's it, man. I don't want to. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Go sign up for the National Deer Alliance. Go sign up for Quality Deer Management, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Wild Sheep Foundation. Shit, sign up for everything uh, if you can. That'd be awesome. Other than that, please, 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 if you're gonna be in a tree, man, wear your damn safety harness. <laughs>